This is Amanda. And this is Rachel. And this is Vocal Perspective. Hey out there. Hi. This is really exciting. I know. So my name is Rachel Schoenbaum. And I am Amanda Cornaglia. And we are members of Akaville Radio. And we wanted to create a podcast. So here we are. Yep. For me, I want to see more female representation. And I know that's, you know, hearing that is probably a lot of people think it's beating a dead horse. But I think, you know, we've got a lot of podcasts out there. And we've got a lot of groups out there. We've got a lot of people doing a lot of things in acapella. And there's still just not enough women. And I feel like there's, in addition to not being enough women, there's also not a lot of female perspective that's being shared out there about what's going on in acapella. And I feel like for me, that's something that I want to bring to light. Yes. So Rachel and I were in New York City sharing a room, getting ready for the Aka Open back in the fall. And we would just talk for hours about all of the things in acapella. And for two people that do a lot of acapella work, like it was really exciting for us to kind of share. And we, we come from two very different backgrounds too. So we thought, you know, maybe other people would like to join this conversation too. So we're going to put it out there for the world to hear and to respond to and maybe join in on the conversation a little bit. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, that was a really, really fun trip. Uh, we had a chance to, to see the finals of the Aka Open and um, it was just an awesome opportunity to see some really amazing acapella groups sing. And uh, we had a chance to speak to a bunch of them, which is like for me, one of the true joys of doing what I do here. Yeah, I, a lot of people marvel that my job is acapella. But aside from the performing part, which is really cool, like actually my favorite part of performing is performing for little kids, which it's not as glamorous as you'd think. It's very early mornings. It's a lot of Purell. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, that's one of my favorite parts. But the other side of that is, you know, getting to work behind the scenes and getting to meet all of these people that are working really hard and putting their hearts on the line for everyone else's enjoyment, really. And there's a lot of really interesting people out there. And we are hoping to bring a lot of those people to you so you can hear some of the stories that we sometimes get to hear behind the scenes that I think is really important for other people to hear, especially if it's something that you want to do with your life, learning from all of the people that are already doing it and hearing all of the struggles and the successes. Because oftentimes we actually do hear a lot about the successes, but we don't hear about the struggles that make those successes so sweet. Yeah. That was a lot of alliteration for me. (laughs) Well, maybe to start with, we could talk a little bit about our stories and how we got here, how we got to where we are and what what our sort of backgrounds and history with acapella is. So get, get us started, Rachel. Ooh, yay. Mine is, I think, a little bit less storied than yours. Um, <laughs> so I've been volunteering with Acaville for the last five years, but my acapella journey sort of started well before that. I'm pretty, pretty old. And so... <laughs> <laughs> old is, it's just a number. A state of mind, right? <laughs> but I guess I say that because back when I was introduced to acapella, high school acapella was not a thing. No. It, it didn't exist. No, in high school, I did madrigals. That's about as close as we got. Yeah, I was in chorus Um, (laughs) and theater, which was also sort of as close as you got to acapella. But when I got to college, there was acapella that started to be a thing. And I started to be uh, so if it like sort of dates me, I got into acapella around the time that Deke started doing sort of what he does and sort of started experimenting with that brand, that that flavor of acapella. Uh, so I went to school in upstate New York and um, Binghamton. Woo, woo. Upstate New York um, is the best place to go to school. 
for sure. And my first foray into acapella was watching the Binghamton Crosbys, and I will give them a shout out. They were my very first acapella concert that I went to, and it was totally random. I was just looking for something to do on a random day, and I saw them, like a flyer up in the commons somewhere, and I was like, sure, why not? I'm, I have nothing to do. That's how they get you. That's how they get you. Right? <laughs> and, and then, you know, once you're there, I, I fell in love. It was stunning and incredible to me to hear after not having any exposure, any experience with it, like the incredible thing that human voices can do and be when they join together that way. And I was hooked. (laughs) Me too. I mean, mine was kind of similar. I actually heard my first acapella CD. Maybe it was, no, it wasn't even a CD. It was a tape. Who am I kidding? Uh, It was a cassette tape. One of my friends that was in, uh, he'd actually been one of my friends my whole life all through elementary school, but he brought like this tape from University of Pennsylvania to our chorus rehearsal one day. And we all were listening to it. We're like, this is so cool. What is this? I mean, and this is back in the mid nineties. So, and I mean, my friends and I from high school chorus still talk about that tape and how it changed a lot of our lives. And when I was looking at colleges, there was, you know, back in that day before the internet uh, was a thing. (laughs) That's how old um, we are. (laughs) There was that big book. Remember like the big book of colleges? And I would sit and like flip through it. And actually one of the sections was if there were acapella groups on campus. And this was in 96. And I was looking through all of this and I kind of eliminated any college that didn't have an acapella group because I knew that it was something I wanted to try. Even though I hadn't done it yet, I was like, no, this is this is for me. So yeah, I, I remember like knowing everything about the at the time there were three groups on campus and I knew you know I had an option to get into two of them so I had to try but I essentially eliminated any college that didn't have that as an option because I knew you know I probably wasn't strong enough at that time to start my own group so I just wanted to jump in and figure it out and I people have asked me in the past if I ever sang in a group and I'm always embarrassed to say no. You should be. We need fans too. Fans are just (laughs) as important. So back in college, I had my roommate was in one of the groups. My RA was in one of the groups at Binghamton. And I I just didn't have the strength of character maybe to audition. Like I, I was scared and I'm not the same person that I was back then, right? Like I've developed a lot. I've developed confidence and more of my personality that I feel like would serve me well in those circumstances. But back then I was just too scared. And so instead of trying out, I just became a fangirl. Basically, I went to all the the different um, concerts that I could go to that existed and just sort of geeked out on acapella. And I made a mixtape. So I made a mixtape of acapella songs from the various groups that were on campus that I I don't have anymore. Oh, I wish. I think I I just dug out because I was trying to upload things for Acaville, actually. And I was like, I know I've got some really good stuff. And then I dug out like all of my old CDs and I was like, these will never see the light of day ever. No one will ever hear these except me. And they're going to go right back in this secret box. That's right. <laughs> so wait, um, I wanted to ask you, what group did you end up singing for in college? Oh boy. So my singing career got off to a little bit of a bumpy start. When I first got to school, the first thing I auditioned for was the college choir. And mm. I got cut because, <gasps> yeah, I know, shocker, right? And here I am <laughs> making a living as a musician. Sorry, Mr. Rob, our, the conductor, but I showed up 
And my high school choir was non-auditioned. Anyone could be in it. So the level of music that we had to do was pretty low. Hmm. It was a lot of Kirby Shaw. No offense to Kirby Shaw, but it was a lot. And I was a soprano, so I always had the melody. I show up for my audition and I got through the first one. I was, you know, I got through. I had a nice tone to my voice. He was like, okay, you can match pitch. Cool. And then I get to the second audition and I'm there with all of these people and they have sung all of this really difficult music in high school and they hand me a piece and expect me to sight read it. And I was like, wait, I ever did it. So I was like, um, how, how are you all doing this? I, I was so flabbergasted. So I didn't, and I was also very sick that day. So I probably sounded like crap. So I did not get into the chorus, um, or the choir, I guess the college choir. And then the none of the acapella groups were auditioning in the fall. So I had to wait and I went to all the concerts and I tried to become friends with all the groups and I tried not to be like super fangirl, but yet I, there I was sitting in like the first row and watching all these concerts. And the first opening was actually with the co-ed group on my campus, the Hamiltones. So I auditioned and there were a lot of girls vying for one spot and I I didn't get it. But auditions are scary. I think I'm pretty Ooh. sure I sang the national anthem because I didn't know what else to sing. Yeah. But I made it through the rounds and I actually made a lot of friends that way. And then yeah. a couple weeks later, the all-female group on campus, at the time it was just Special K and that was my group. They had auditions and they had four graduating seniors. So they were taking people for the next year. And I, gra- I-, I did get one of those spots. So... That was really exciting. But Special yeah. K, okay, so Special Spoiler K is alert. actually one of the <laughs> oldest all-female groups in the country. We're going to turn 50 soon, which wow. is crazy to me because they never leave campus. I think they're trying to, you know, expand wow. beyond the hill. You know, every campus is called the hill. <laughs> but, I mean, they don't compete. They record albums that are essentially yearbook <laughs> albums that, you know, go to family and friends on campus. And you know, it's a pretty happy existence. They do concerts with, I mean, now there are six groups on my college campus, which there are less than 2000 people at Hamilton. So six groups, six groups. That's crazy. But there were four by the time I graduated. Wow. And, you know, it's, it's just a great community on campus. So there's no, there's, there was never any draw to go beyond that. Um, so I didn't hear about ICCA. We did know about Deke Sharon, though, because that was back when Casa yeah. was able to keep up the arrangement library. So we sang a lot of Deke Sharon's arrangements. We sang arrangements from other schools, and that was really cool. Eventually, I became the business manager, and I invited... I was like, oh, there are groups on other campuses. Maybe we should reach out to one of them. So <laughs> Mind I, blown. <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe there's something better than the buffers. Sorry, buffers. That was the all-male group on my campus. So I reached <laughs> out to the hangovers at Cornell. Yeah. And they said yes. And it was the most exciting thing. Oh, yeah. So we got to see another group perform. And I like bought their CD and everything. And it was really exciting. And then I became the music director my senior year. And wow. uh, fun fact. Special K before I became music director used no sheet music at all. Like sometimes we use the arrangements, but we never wrote anything down. The way that I learned how to arrange acapella was literally putting a boom box in the middle of the room, lying down around it, handing out parts <laughs> like you're going to be the lower piano and you're going to be that guitar and you're going to be the bass guitar and you're going to be that instrument we can't identify. Right. <laughs> so we would group arrange wow. and the arrangement would evolve and it was never the same twice. <laughs> 
And I took a couple of music theory classes and I was like, okay, I think maybe we would sound better and more consistent if we wrote things down. Novel, novel concept. Right. <laughs> so that was my first experience arranging. And I, I, we actually, we actually, for Euphemism and for Clear Harmonies, we still sing some of the first arrangements that I ever did, which wow. kind of makes me a little bit proud that like my first arrangements weren't so terrible that I've burned them and like never speak of them again. Right. And they're actually pretty fun. Like my group really loves singing them. We do a lot of them for weddings and stuff. But so yeah, we started writing things down. I remember my mom came to one of my concerts. So me in high school, Amanda in high school, couldn't hold a microphone, often forgot the words to the solos. Um, <laughs> literally, like my hands were shaking so bad, never could. And then oh, my yeah. mom comes to campus and hears me sing uh, what was one of my solos. Oh, it's raining men with all of the attitude. <laughs> All of it. I mean, of course, it was an all-female group. Of course we sang that. Of course you did. And we also sang with no microphones in a chapel. Wow. So I'll never forget Christy, who was our music director the year before me she was this like very gregarious greek woman and she was like amanda you have a beautiful voice but it's not loud enough so she used to make what stand- i know right <laughs> that surprises this me. college amanda who is this previous life but she used to make me stand in a corner across the room in the room that we rehearsed in which was one of the music rooms and the rest of the group would stand in the other corner and they would all be singing at the top of their lungs and i had to sing loud enough from across the room so that they could hear me wow so now, that's how I learned how to belt. Thankfully, nice. I was doing everything correctly and I have not damaged my vocal cords, which oh, was hallelujah. great. But now I, you know, I learned how to belt. I also yeah. learned how to do vocal percussion. Oh, wow. Which no one will ever hear. <laughs> Here, here's my, here's my impression. <laughs> That's the best I can do. Yeah, I learned how to do, um, my, my claim to fame was a wood block that I had to make sure was loud enough that could be heard all through the chapel. Wow. Secret party tricks now. No, no, you have to, you have to demo it. There. there it is. There you go. Nice. You know, but that was kind of the, the great part about being in an all female group early in the acapella times was we all had to learn folk percussion because no one was good enough to do it consistently. Solely, yeah. So mm-hmm. we made everyone learn it and yeah. everyone had to take turns. Yeah. And we also would switch around voice parts. So I came in wow. as solidly a soprano. And uh, now most people know that I'm quite the low alto. <laughs> <laughs> so I extended my range. I think since high school, my range has dropped a full octave. Wow. Yeah. Wow. No smoking <laughs> necessary, ladies. None. <laughs> So at the the group that the Crosby's, which was the group that I was introduced to, they didn't really do vocal percussion. Instead, they did body percussion, which was a thing for a while. It was. It was definitely a thing. Lots of stomps, lots of claps, lots of slapping yourself. Yes, body slap. And there was one dude. There was one dude. I don't remember his name, so that's going to be unfortunate. But uh, but he was so good, and he would be like, you know, doing all this like slapping his belly and his chest and stuff. And he got asked a bajillion times, like, what does his body look like? at the end of, <laughs> of a concert because he's sitting there boop, 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 all over the place and he must have been sore from top to bottom that's all I'm gonna say <laughs> yeah I mean the things we do for our entertainment our in college is, yeah is but also to show sort of how far we've come in that yeah. you know I mean I look I watch I mean some of these high school even I've worked with some middle school vocal percussionists that just blow me away insane maybe one day I'll, sh- I'll show those little kids what our vocal percussion sounded like oh yeah because back in the day like it you know, you were lucky if you had my rendition of Boots and Cats is really like. Yes. <laughs> I'll never forget one of the guys from the, the male group, you know, realized that I was taking on a pretty big share of the vocal percussion. So he was like, all right, I'm going to teach you how to do like a 
bass drum, Amanda. <laughs> and mm. I think back to it, it was so like, yeah, it was definitely like Boots and Cats. But thank right. you, Neil. That was really sweet of you. Um, <laughs> thank you for showing me. Um, but now, you know, now we have to teach it to kids too. But the, the microphones, though, make a huge difference because it's a lot less work, honestly. Sorry. Yeah. Uphill both I, ways no, in the I'm snow. Sure. We had to do it. But yeah. <laughs> the microphones, you know, you can manipulate the microphone to get a much bigger sound. So right. any tip to come from this is go back and listen to some of these older vocal percussionists, like some of the original vocal percussionists, because they were doing a lot of work and they had to manipulate their mouths rather than the microphone. So absolutely, there's a lot to be learned from that. For sure. And I do. I actually go back and listen really frequently to, so a little bit, maybe a little bit delving into my experience. So I never, I never sang, but since finding acapella, I've gone to listen to as much as I can. And I was lucky enough to find the NCCAs back in the day, the National (laughs) Competition of Collegiate Acapella, back before ICCA was international. And I randomly was, I found it because I think I went to um, a Harmony Sweeps competition in DC, which is where I am. And I, uh, there was an advertisement there for like a a competition that was brand new. They were going to have something like crazy in New York. And I was like, oh, well, I'll go see something in New York. I'm from New York. And so um, I was like, I'll go see my mom. So I traveled up to New York and that happened to be the very first ICCA. And like, just in, in like shockingly enough, and of course I loved it and, and, I've gone back actually to every single ICCA since. I've seen every single ICCA and in the last number of years I've expanded it to ICHSA. There's got to be a special award for this, really. I, I, I mean, mean, I think I earn it. I think I, I think I've it. only been to like three and I consider myself a pretty hardcore fan, but that's, it's also at a very busy time of year for me. So I get there when I can, right. but that's amazing. So you really have a perspective on just how much this art form has grown and evolved. Um, Absolutely. Which, which is really important. I think we need to hear some of this because often Oftentimes, you know, people feel like they're inventing some something new. And yeah. you're like, well, hold on a second. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's like, yeah, I think that's very true. But I, I say that because back in the beginning of ICCA, um, back in the beginning when they first started putting out bokas and then subsequently bosas, like I bought them. They, this was before they released them electronically. You get them on CDs. And the only way to buy them was at a concert, right? As that was at quarters, semis or finals. And back in the day, they didn't even have that. They had semis and finals. There was no quarters. <laughs> there weren't enough groups back then. No. And so I would buy, I, I also own every single boca that exists and like I go back frequently and I listen to the songs that the groups have done and they stand the test of time in my opinion they They really really do. do And we still mm-hmm. play them on the radio. And, you know, aside from a little bit of polish that, you know, modern recording techniques offer, like you can't tell the difference. They're no. really still pretty great music. Yeah, it's awesome. So I feel like that is something that, you know, is worth doing as a, a fan and as a, as a practitioner, going back and listening to some of those older recordings and hearing sort of the the effort they put in and the work that they do to produce the sounds that they do. There are lessons there yep, that absolutely. can be learned. So what brought you to Acaville? Like, how did you jump from number one fan to producing one of the best radio stations in the history of existence? Oh, right. Of course. <laughs> so because I was such a fan, I had a, I was looking all the time for ways to listen to more acapella music. Obviously, I have my own collection of every book on earth, <laughs> even the humor one, which lasted like a year. That's but, a shame because uh, college groups are actually pretty funny. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's true. Oh my God. The Carol of the Bells by, was it BYU Vocal Point? Probably. No, there's I some, think that sounds right. Th- there's one of those groups and it, it was, anyway, hysterical. But uh, so I was always looking for music and I would go online every once in a while and like just search acapella music and I couldn't find anything. And then magically, five years ago, five and a half years ago, I guess at this point, I, I did a search and I found Acaville Radio. And, you know, I had seen that there were uh, volunteer positions, but, you know, I sort of listened for a while because I wasn't going to volunteer for something that I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know the radio. Come on. You got to be kidding me. Just because I like this music doesn't mean that I can do anything related to this music. It's wizardry, guys. Wizardry. (laughs) Except that it's not. And anyone who wants to volunteer with Acaville, please do. It's so easy. Yes. And so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, yeah, no, after listening to it for a number of months, I, I was like, I really want to participate in some way. I I want to, I don't know, I want to be involved. I felt like there was a way that that could happen. And so I reached out and I said, look, like I I know nothing, nothing about the radio, but I love acapella music and you have a website and I have some web skills. So maybe there's a way that I can help out. And that was really my first foray into Acaville. And it turns out that I was actually the very first volunteer. I am the first Aca volunteer. Yay! Yay! (laughs) And from there, my responsibilities grew. So I started off sort of programming some blocks of music. One of my ideas, because I was like, well, so to program a block of music, it feels daunting. It's like two hours of time. And you're like, you have this universe of, what do we have? 14, 15,000 songs? It's crazy. There's so much music in there. It's it's overwhelming when I, because now I do a lot of the programming and it's, Mm -hmm. you're like, whoa, I forgot this album even existed. But here, I'm going to play it a lot this week. Yeah, it's, and it's hard to, to um to, to figure out what songs you could put together that might go together. Just because you have 15,000 songs doesn't mean that you should play every one right after any other one. I mean, um, I, I just usually put them out in alphabetical order, so <laughs> no, I'm works. kidding. It's <laughs> a little bit more to it than that, but... A little bit more, because, like, you don't want to play some, like, bang and crash and music and then, like, a ballad. Like, right. They might not all flow together. One of my ideas that has persisted to this day is the theme hour. So I was like, I need some reason to put songs together. And so I would come up with themes of music to structure, to inform my choices about what songs to play. And so that that's persisted. That was kind of cool. It was a, a impact that I had. And now but... I dare anyone to beat you at acapella trivia, really. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I know all the weather songs, girls. <laughs> the sun and the sky and the moon and the clouds. Yep, I got them. Oh my God. <laughs> there were some times where I had to be really creative. <laughs> I'm like, silver's a color, right? Like <laughs> Silver's totally a color. Or I did things like geographic. So I would pick songs that were all by groups that were in the Northeast or in the West or things like that. So, you know, sometimes those geographic barriers got expanded, let's say. <laughs> but after that, so I didn't really have my voice on the station for a while. I would put those themes together, but I was scared to do the talking part. But after a couple of months, I was like, I have things I want to say about the songs that I picked. And that really prompted me to like pick up the microphone and say them. So so I sort of made that transition. And then, I don't know, it's because ICCA had been such a focal point of my acapella sort of joy, I pushed for us to do a show called competition countdown which now I am the I was the co-host and this season I am the sole host oh my goodness look out so exciting 
where we reach out to groups that are competing in ICCA and ICHSA, and we just ask about the process. I was so curious to hear, to speak to the groups who do it. Why? What about it is a goal for them? What do they hope to achieve from it? How, what's the process that they think of to pick the songs that they want to sing? And how do they factor in choreo? And how does it impact the other things that they do with their semester, with their year? How does it impact auditioning? Because... Sometimes you need really specific voice parts if you're going to compete versus if you're just going to just have a regular non-competition year. I was and am always curious about how people make those choices. And, and, and you know, as as performers and singers, we forget that like fans want to know that stuff. Yeah. Because I mean, to a fan that especially like someone who has never really sung before, like they don't like this is all magic on the stage. Like how do you get from like a group of people to creating this masterpiece on the stage? They want to hear about that. Yeah, for sure. I feel like sort of to interject on myself, I feel like we've talked a lot about sort of who I am post and, and sort of what I, how I got involved in acapella and acaville specifically and is sort of my role at acaville which is like I guess we didn't talk too much about that but like I, I conduct interviews for shows I, I help produce the shows and that's sort of my role but I want to hear or I want our audience to hear your role and Oh my goodness. (laughs) Where do we start? So uh, way back in the 90s, kids. So yeah, I I got my start in college. And then after I graduated college, I moved to Japan. I was a teacher on the JET program, which anyone who's still in college, I highly recommend it. You don't need any Japanese to go. You teach ESL or EFL, I guess, in public schools. And it was a great experience for me. It was also a very easy job. Like it's not very taxing. So I started an acapella group at my school with four kids. And we sang at a lot of the school festivals and things like that. And then word got out around town because I lived in a very small town that I was into acapella. And Japanese people are so into acapella. So they asked me to start a community group. So it was me, a bunch of Japanese housewives, a couple of the other foreigners in town. And we would get together on like Saturday mornings and they would bring their kids and their little kids would all be running around. And most of us didn't speak the same languages. Like sometimes there was a woman from the Philippines, there was a woman from China. And so we'd all kind of mishmash together a language but we all sang together and it was so cool and that group still is happening like 15 almost 20 years later and it just makes me so happy yeah they did some caroling this season for Christmas and I saw pictures and it was a really good experience we actually won a competition wow that's amazing I I, yeah so I got a different perspective and it, it showed me what music can do to a community and how it can really bring people together especially people that don't even speak the same language yeah so that has always kind of stayed with me and then after I got home from Japan I got a job at the Japanese embassy so I found myself in a brand new city here in Washington D.C. I literally had like one friend that I knew that lived here. I met some new friends, but you know, I was something was missing. So I started trolling on Craigslist. Is Craigslist still even a thing? I I mean, it it is. But um, I found a couple of the local groups at the time, DC Acapella. um, There were a couple other ones and no one was auditioning. So you know, sadness. But so then I know. And then I saw an ad for someone that wanted to start something new. So I met a whole bunch of strangers in a coffee shop in a caribou coffee right downtown. I like walked there all the way from the embassy. It was like three miles. I was like, I'm going, I'm going to this meeting. (laughs) And we sat down, we met in that coffee shop, like maybe three times and discussed like what we wanted and you know, how we would be structured. And one of the first people I met was Joe Kang. And he is still in my group today. And it's been, we're about to celebrate 
celebrate 13 years together. Wow. So that group became Euphemism. We started meeting in a basement in Vienna. And Virginia, for the people who yes, aren't familiar Vienna, with the area. Yeah, not in Austria. Vienna, Virginia, <laughs> which is way out at the end of the metro line. So luckily I had a car and we would just, it was it was so much fun. We had no idea what we were doing, except that we all loved acapella. So we just started singing and, you know, our first gig, you know, we got our families together for a barbecue. We sang for them. And then we sang the national anthem at, was it a Wizards? No, it wasn't a Wizards game. It was a Caps game. Ooh. And this was before the Caps were popular or good even, you know, current Stanley <laughs> are, are Cup pop- champions. I mean, I don't but, know much about sports. Are they good? Yeah, they, they're they current Stanley Cup champions. So they're, okay. they are good. Right. Okay. But back when we started with them, they were not good. So they invited groups to sell 100 tickets and you could sing the national anthem. And you got, you could, it was a fundraiser too, because you got the tickets really cheap and you could sell them for whatever you wanted. Oh, nice. So that was good. And from there, we just started doing gigs and things worked out and, you know, people have moved on and, but, you know, we've got some members of our group that have been in the group now, besides me and Joe, who are the OGs, like 10 years and our newest member has been in the group two years and it's, it's, you know, it's kept me here in DC. I've thought about moving away and I'm just like, no, I have, I have this group here now and I, I love them. And Euphemism eventually became branched off into Snow Day. So... Serendipity. This is the serendipitous moment, y'all. <laughs> Euphemism has these pretty regular meetings where we talk about where we're going and what we want to do. And I sat down with them and the group was about two years old at the time. And I said, you know, I really hate working at a desk job. I, I can't do it. It's not me. I need to be doing something more. And I think music, I think acapella is it. And I had recently been to a seminar with Deke Sharon in his living room before he was a really big deal. You know, he let a bunch of strangers come sit in his living room and talk acapella. That's crazy. (laughs) Um, And I said, I think I want to try to turn this into a job. And, you know, wouldn't you know it, a couple weeks later, I get this email from an agency at the time they were called Class X Arts. And now they are Art of Eight. And they said, we're looking for an acapella group to add to our roster. And we really like, you know, the look and sound of euphemism. Would you guys be interested? And I was like, well, they all kind of like their jobs, but I am interested. So can you give me a little bit of time to put something together and, you know, we'll make it awesome. So I had three weeks. So I got some very nice friends that helped me pull this together. Hugh G was actually a huge help then. He was in Almost Recess, which was a longtime group here in the D.C. area. They did schools. So he kind of helped me shape the show. We put something together in three weeks. We auditioned in front of the agency, the the arts organization. They loved us. The kids loved us. And then a couple weeks later, we had an audition in front of the Maryland State Arts Council. We got approved for grants funding. Well, the schools get grants funding to help pay to bring us in. And that was 10 years ago, 10 and a half years ago and so snow day continues to do all of that work and it is when i tell people it's the best job ever like you know we might not have all the the facebook fans and the glory and stuff but like when you go into a school and you watch these kids faces light up there's nothing like it and you know it's not for everyone it is like i said earlier it is early mornings it is driving out to the middle of nowhere maryland it is singing songs taylor swift on repeat So, you know, it might not be my personal taste in music, but the kids just love it and they get into it and watching them dance. I mean, our last show before the holidays, they just said, can you do like a holiday song? So we had the whole room singing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and it was just, they were so happy. That's awesome. But I wanted to actually interject for a moment and tell you a little bit about a connection that you didn't know, I don't think, about Almost Recess, which was that a million years ago, yeah, a million, um, (laughs) I saw them perform and uh, really sort of fell in love with them. And at the time, I was dating uh, my now husband, and he was planning to propose to me. And he he hired them to be waiting. 
<laughs> outside of the restaurant where we had, were eating dinner um, to be singing as I came out of the restaurant. And uh, and they sang for me a bunch of songs. And then when they were done singing, he proposed. Oh, so look at acapella being part of your life like that. Well, and then we hired them to come sing at our wedding. Amazing. And then... <laughs> they happen to be the deliberation group at ICCA's approximately a year or two later when I was massively pregnant <laughs> with my first kiddo. And so it was awesome to see them, like see their evolution. But also like, I just, I love that we have these unknown connections. Right. I, I mean, dig a little you know, under the surface in acapella and they exist. They're there. Yeah. And Almost Recess and Ball in the House were two of our big inspirations for Snow Day, both musically and attitude wise and the way that they persisted. And I mean, Ball in the House is still going and doing like 250 shows a year. I mean, those guys. That's something I, th- I hope that we discuss, not this not this episode, but that attitude. Yes. How do you get that attitude? How do you present that attitude? And how do you discover what your attitude is? Exactly. Right? Like, we're definitely getting into that. We're already, look at us. We're so excited. Like we can't wait to start talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, can you talk a little bit about how you got involved in Acaville? Can you jump? All right, so we'll jump. Acaville, so I've been doing like live production. I work from the Deke Sharon School of Thought. Something that he told me that very first meeting with him was that get as good as you can at as many things as you can uh, because you never know what's going to hit, what's going to be feeding your family at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I learned, I'd already started arranging. I knew how to direct. I, I started to learn studio work. I started to learn live sound. I started to be an educator and a coach. And then I dug up a very old skill. I was in the high school TV studio club and I knew how to make videos. So all I had to do was teach myself Premiere because I already knew all of the other concepts. I just had to learn how to, where the buttons were. So I started doing music videos and I got picked up by a company called Flow Sports and I did Flow Voice for a while. And that was a lot of fun to do live broadcasting and really like just, it was so exciting to just spread acapella to the world. And when that job came to a close, I got this email from Deke Sharon. I mean, this man never leaves my life. He's stuck. We're stuck with each other forever. I'm so sorry, Deke. In the best way. <laughs> That's Deke had just gotten an, a phone call or an email from Aaron, the, the man who started Acaville, and they were looking for a manager. Acaville was looking for a manager and asked Deke, like, who do you recommend? And Deke sent me an email. He goes, I recommended you and only you write him back right now. So I sent, I think I sent Aaron an email like two o'clock in the morning because <laughs> I was so excited. I was like, yes, this is all I like. I love just getting acapella out there. It is so exciting for me. It's so exciting for me to celebrate all of the hard work that a lot of my friends are doing. And it just worked out. And now I'm helping program and I'm helping do more articles and more videos. And we have so much more coming in 2019. And I'm so excited to do it. I know. And just to toot your horn, which I would love to do for a moment, Amanda, you have been such a boon to the station. Um, having been someone, so again, I mentioned I before, I've I've been on board kind of close to the beginning. At yeah. least I'm the I'm the person who's been on board outside of Aaron the longest. I know, and you're um, East Coast, so you to me were like the face, the voice of Acaville to me forever. I was? So, yeah, absolutely. Why? Because Aaron does like. All of it. I know, but like we, you were the ones that you were the one that we saw at all the local events, and you were the one like reaching out to everyone around us and all our groups and our clients, and like really putting in the work. So you, you were, you were Acaville to us for the longest time. 
That's sweet. Um, I, I don't think of myself that way, but that's sweet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I feel like Acaville has grown so much because of all the hard work that you've put in. So I, I'm so grateful. As we speak, prior to our launch of this podcast, as we speak, excited for in the upcoming year, it's your participation and cooperation and and all the hard work that that you've put in for Acaville. It's been oh, it's the best. It's amazing. Su- you know, it's such a great job and to be surrounded by people that really love acapella makes all of the difference in the world. I mean, I think when I came in and actually got to know what was going on behind the scenes, I was like, people need to know like how much these people actually care about acapella and love acapella because that I think that's what makes Acaville special. And I just being a part of team is really awesome. <laughs> Heart, you can't see <laughs> I know we're making total like heart faces. It's great. Heart each other. <laughs> so can we, I know it's not maybe explicitly in the genre of this podcast, but can we like promo a little bit some of the stuff that we're expecting to come up in the upcoming, to give you guys a taste of what's coming up? Sure. So, okay. So, you know, a lot of what I've been working on the last couple of months is uh, getting a lot of new music into our database so that we can be promoting even more. So I've been uploading my own personal collection and I've been hounding all of my friends and I'm like, hey, hey, I want to play your stuff. Like, where is it? Send it to me. So there's a lot more coming. And then we are launching a podcast network. So this will be part of that podcast network. And we're hoping to have as many acapella related podcasts on there as possible so that you can discover, you know, alongside listening to your favorites, you can discover some new ones. We've got a lot more themed programs, I think, coming down the pipe. We are working on partnerships with all kinds of special acapella organizations. I won't tell you who they are, but we're really, my goal is to really expand Acaville's reach. I just recently became a barber shopper uh, within the last year or so. So I'm expanding our reach to the barbershop community and hopefully we'll be playing more barbershop and we're we're talking to a lot of special barbershoppers. So you'll hear more of that. We're so excited about that. We know that the barbershop community is huge, it's huge. and I feel like they've been underserved, particularly by Acaville, which I, I take partial credit for. Or, sorry, partial uh, slap of the middle. I'm not sure. Partial. <laughs> well, um, you know, what I found is a lot of barbershop groups don't actually do studio recordings, which is often what we're playing here. <sighs> So with um, one of the new programs Mm -hmm. I already started last year was Friday Night Live. So sometimes it's not possible for us to do a live broadcast, but we go to a lot of concerts and we can be recording them and playing them later. So that's what Friday Night Live is. So if we are not live that night at an event, we'll play um, an event that we've been to in the past. So I happen to go to a lot of barbershop concerts and they actually sound really great live. I mean, that does not surprise me in the least. So yeah, I mean, it's and I'll be at a lot of them. So you'll be hearing more of barbershop. And I'm hoping that with my involvement in the barbershop community, we'll actually get some more of them to record in the studio. So we have more to play and that'll be exciting. So from my end, some of the things that I'm working on for 2019 are I help produce the spotlight, which means that I help reach out to the areas that we're going to and reach out to the groups that we hope to speak with and coordinate setting up times to talk to them. So of all the groups that you're going to be hearing in the upcoming months, that's part of what I'm working on. So Chicago, we're looking at you. We always go to Boston. We go to, we're looking at um, actually doing some stuff with some of the um, high school groups in the Midwest that are doing some festivals. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of really awesome, awesome music that's and discussions with the people making the music that that are coming up. I love that they sing live on the spotlight because I mean, as, as awesome as Studio Magic is, acapella is really special live. Even with all its mistakes and little, you know, little moments of out of tune or, or whatever, it's live music is really special. 
Yeah. And I feel very privileged to have the opportunity to hear that live, to be there in the room sometimes, not always, uh, but sometimes when it's happening, it's such a treat. And I'm excited to share that with you all in the upcoming months. It's going to be great. So that's a bit of, yeah, that's a bit of what we have coming up. And the good news is, is, you know, if people out there want more on Akaville, if there's something that you want to share with us, we are open doors. Come and tell us what you want. If we can make it happen, we will make it happen because if we don't love acapella as much as you do, we love it more. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I guess we have just a little bit of time left mm-hmm. in our podcast segment. Apparently so, our very um, long lives led to a very long intro episode. (laughs) (laughs) We were planning on doing more episodes or more bits, but we didn't need to. Yeah, the bits will Um, come next time. So we'll we'll introduce, (laughs) let's introduce one of our bits. Welcome to Issue a Challenge. So we want to help expand our horizons here and we want you to be doing new and exciting things. So this week's Issue a Challenge is we want to hear a new take on an overdone cover. So what in your mind is an overdone cover, Miss Rachel? Uh, um, oh gosh. Well, I mean, we spoke a little bit about this. I feel like anything that is on the radio now. Yep. Because, <laughs> you know, inevitably, if it's on the radio now, we will hear it at six different ICCA or ICHSA competitions. And, you know, we love it. If you love singing it, I don't care. I'll hear it a million times. I still, I sing I'll Africa agree. in my show. It's an important part of acapella history. I don't particularly like Weezer's cover of it, but if you are <laughs> going to sing it for me I mean go for it yeah I mean I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw away any acapella it's all good so we also have a little bit of a twist with this challenge something that we've seen a lot over the last probably six or seven years maybe even longer time is flying by I don't know where it all went but I think I'm tracing this back to Sonos We, we had a little discussion about this but when Sonos released I want you back by the Jackson 5. I think it started a trend of groups taking a formerly poppy, upbeat song and turning it into a sadder emo song. And, you know, some of these poppy songs do lend themselves. The message of the song is actually sad, which we discovered with Sonos's cover. But I'd like to see the opposite happen now. I want to hear you guys take a slower song and turn it into an upbeat, poppy, happy song. Because I think, honestly, I think that's what audiences need to hear right now. The world is a little shaky and sad and crazy. So make your audiences happy. Take a song that they like as a slow song and turn it into a poppy, happy cover. (laughs) And if you would like to share that with us so that we can share it with our listeners, please, you can tweet at us at Akaville Radio, or you can send it to us via Facebook, uh, also at Akaville Radio, um, and Instagram at Akaville Radio. Yeah, we're everywhere. We're everywhere. We're not on Snapchat. (laughs) I can't keep up. I'm too old. No, no, I'm too old. But those, um, those are our social media channels, and we would really love to, if you have either your own group's renditions, we would love to share them with our listeners. Or if you are aware of songs that fit this criteria of, of sort of a, a sadder song made happy, please let us know. We'd love to hear if you send us um, YouTube links, or you can send us various music in Pandora or in, oh gosh, what's the other one that I'm driving? Spotify, like? that um, one? Yeah. Spotify, thank you. Yeah, you know. 
other so the other media platforms. <laughs> if you want to send us those links so that we can check it out and we would be happy to play it and to play it on the station, but also to share those links with other people so that we can spread the joy and love and acknowledgement to others. Because we just explode with joy. If you guys haven't, <laughs> haven't caught on to that yet. Literally, we're sitting here just talking about acapella and our smiles are like as big as our faces. So mm-hmm. when we say yeah. we want to share your joy with everyone, we're not kidding. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so Amanda, this has been amazing. I Thank know. So and much. I'm so excited. So we promise you it won't be all fluffy like love story between Amanda and Rachel. This podcast, we're going to talk a lot about some serious issues as well. And, you know, just kind of what we've seen. And because I think we do hear a lot of the male perspective out there when when newspapers and media outlets are interviewing people. It's often the guys and we love you guys, but we have a lot to say too. We do. And if you want to be one of those people who has something to say to us, please reach out to us via our various social media channels. And we would love to have you on our podcast. The magic of the internet. You can be anywhere. You don't have to be near D.C. like Rachel and I. And and though we happen to be both be in the D.C. area, we are actually not physically in the same location at this moment. We are recording this virtually. The Beltway (laughs) is a beast, y'all. The Beltway is a beast. (laughs) No doubt. (laughs) But enough about us. If any of you want to be featured on our show, on our podcast, please reach out. We would love to hear your perspective on what's going on in the world of the lady. So thanks for listening to our first episode. We're so excited to be starting this. I think it's an important addition to the acapella community. And plus, I get to hang out with Rachel even more. And you guys get to hear how ridiculous we can be together. It's going to be great. I know. It's awesome. (laughs) And I'm so grateful to have an outlet to talk about some of the stuff that we have talked about, that we plan to talk about. I, I do a lot of interviews where I ask questions, but I've don't often have opportunities to be asked questions myself or to talk about the things. I can't wait. I'm going to ask you so many things, Rachel. (laughs) So um, we want to thank you all for listening to our first podcast. And we want to hear what you think. Um, And if you have any ideas, suggestions, please reach out to us at Acaville Radio on all regular social media channels. And with that, I guess we will say uh, thank you. This was Rachel. And this is Amanda. And that was Vocal Vocal Perspective. Thanks for tuning in to Vocal Perspective Episode Zero. Our next episode, the official first episode of our podcast, will feature Kari Francis, described as the next generation of acapella specialist by Deke Sharon. Kari is an avid vocalist, arranger, and choral music educator. She's got a lot of really great things to say, so don't forget to tune in.